Indigenous community. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating division in community. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I'm the care pastor here at Hill City, where we record this in every episode of the podcast. And I'm here in the booth, in the room, in the room where it happens, (laughs) with my co-host, John Wagler. John, what's going on, man? I just keep laughing in my head of the 80s... We talked. We talked about doing a. We talked about doing a theme refresh for the show and got stuck between like sitcom, like stay curious, bedining. <laughs> stuck between that and like an '80s power thing, like Karate Kid style. Uh, just making me laugh. And now you're just putting it into the world, and the pressure's on me to do it, John. <laughs> unless you, unless you learned how to write theme songs. When suddenly. the conversation gets tough, yeah. <laughs> Stay curious. <laughs> You're the best. You're the most curious around. Um, so you know, keep an eye out for that. Whenever that would uh, that would like add levity, <laughs> then to like an otherwise very serious conversation. Uh, so what's been going on? What's your what are highs and lows of the week? What's the rose and thorn of the highs Wagner and household lows of the week? Um, you know, your wife sent a nice text to Lacey about Max. Oh, really? Um, yesterday, yeah. She and it was like funny because you know. All parents are like, are my kids crazy? Yeah. Or am, are we doing a good job? Right. Parenting, whatever. And so, you know, it's middle school. And so we're going through some middle school stuff, you yeah. know, and it's some realities. We know that in the, in with, with both Max and Nevaeh, who are both 12, like that they're they're good kids and they do a lot of really good things. But there's some struggles <laughs> going on right now. Sure. And so it was just like a nicely timed text of just uh-huh. saying like how... Max has been so helpful, like serving over there with the kids and and everything. So it was well timed. This is for my wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, <laughs> it's on record now. My wife. It's just funny because it's like, why would she not mention to me that she sent that text? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Max, street shooter. I like that kid. Yeah. Um. Whenever we talk to, he's been doing like woodworking with some of our friends, yeah. and like whenever we talk to them about it, I'm always like, man. I didn't have the gumption to do that. Like when I was Max's age, I would have never. I probably would have been like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go do woodworking with your friends," and then disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, well, that's cool. What's what are the? So that seems like a rose and a thorn. <laughs> parenting yeah, is little, hard. Parenting but also is hard, but it really is. It's a. <laughs> It's a we love our kids dearly and we love parenting and all. You want to know how parenting's but... hard? Somebody keeps saying, "Look, we love our kids." Yeah, it's true. It's. <laughs> but Who are you telling? <laughs> I know. You know what it is too. I think you you're better at different phases as parents too. Totally. Like, we're gonna be really good in the older teenager. Like once, yeah. like that fourteen and up. Like that was our wheelhouse. In yeah, because you guys are youth ministry people. Yeah, so right. like that was our wheelhouse. Um, we struggled <laughs> with middle school yeah. ministry, and we're feeling that a little yeah. bit. You know. Of course, my mom thought that, and then I was an anarchist by the time I was fifteen. <laughs> so you know, just be careful. <laughs> careful what you wish for. Oh man, yeah. What about you? Um, things have been pretty good. I've been. I we kind of I re-listened to our last um episode. Um, which I don't always do, and I talked, I joked a little bit about how like suddenly I'm more of an optimist, even though <laughs> things are getting worse out in the yeah. wide world, and like so it's it's been harder for me lately to think of a thorn, which usually you know I kind of used to sure. be a bramble of thorns right when you met me, um, but I would say the high point would be um, 
just just like summer coming and like I definitely enjoy cool weather and hot weather is hard. But you tan well. I do tan fa- for a ginger. <laughs> for I tan ginger. fairly well. Um, and just like the pool, and you know, we have like a little stock tank pool in the backyard. Yeah. And I think one of the things I'm starting to realize about the summer that I love is when it's 93 degrees out, you go out and do minimal things and feel like you've earned <laughs> screen time or like feel like you've earned air nap. conditioned nap time. <laughs> yeah. With very little effort because it's 93 degrees outside. Yeah. Um, so that's also rose and thorn. It's super stinking hot. <laughs> Uh, and also, but also it's super stinking hot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so today we are going to go ahead and start our kind of series. It's like, it seems bigger than a series. It's like a phase, <laughs> a phase of the podcast of season three Yeah. where we, um, in, at our church at Hill city are going through a 16 week, um, series on the book of Mark. Mm-hmm. And we thought it would be cool to sort of, um, bring that here into Stay Curious. And again, not necessarily, you know, alienate any of our listeners by saying like, oh, if you don't listen to the sermons, then you won't yeah, know what we're talking be. about. But just taking the book of Mark and like some of the things in it that we don't get to talk about on a Sunday and kind of bring it in into the podcast. And again, if you're someone who's listening that maybe just likes our perspectives on things or hates our perspective on things enough to listen, or um, it maybe isn't a person of faith or isn't particularly, this is not going to be a Bible study. This is going to be like us talking about themes that come out of, you know, what you're talking about on Sunday. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be things that, I mean, what we'll talk about today is we're not going to be like parsing scripture the whole time, but there, there are elements I think will tie into how we normally what we normally do on this podcast, but I think it'd be like good to just have like working through this together in the midst of it. For sure. Um, So we're going to do that. But before we get into that, um, we're going to do our new segment for 2021 from the feed. So the feed, we like, this is another one of those weeks where Mm -hmm. it was like, could we talk about something funny from the feed? But really both of our feeds is our one thing which is yes. the Southern Baptist Convention. Is it, what do they call it when they meet? Is it just the convention? Yeah. It's not like a general assembly or something. I don't think so. Don't yeah, think so. so the SBC is meeting and, Nashville. Um, in Nashville, and obviously Beth Moore has left this year, mm-hmm. which is a huge deal. Um, but a big topic of conversation on Twitter for sure is um, survivors of sexual abuse in the SBC making noise. Well, and Russell Moore left, who is a, was a major figure mm. um, in that denomination, and they had a mass exodus of uh, black um, pastors and churches. Yeah, because so. of everything. Yeah. Um, so it's hot news. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, John, what have you kind of seen? I've From my end, it's interesting. I actually haven't seen as much... Has Jamar Tisby been talking? I haven't seen as much of the race stuff. Everything in my feed is about the sexual assault. Yeah, there's the 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 race stuff has been there. Yeah. Because um, when Russell Moore wrote that letter, I don't know if you saw the letter, but mm-hmm. well, wrote, pretend I didn't. And yeah. Give us so that. he wrote a letter, kind of detailing out like some of the conversations that he had. That letter was not supposed to go out to the public. Mm. Um. So someone sent that letter out, and um. In that letter, he detailed out like some of the things that were said to him by other leaders in the SBC that mm-hmm. had a lot of say, and it was it was pretty scathing on a, a couple of different elements mm-hmm. and um, or, or perspectives, and so in particular around race and of course with women as well, mm-hmm. and so 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's this, it's an interesting dynamic because, you know, the SPC has also done a lot, like Southern Baptists have done a lot of good mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there are good Southern Baptist churches out there. So there, this is always like one of those really tough things that, um, I'm not anti-denominational stuff. Even though we're a non-denominational church, we are attached. We're a part of network of churches. Mm-hmm. So it's like, essentially we're still kind of in a denomination, but mm-hmm. like the, the, but I think like there's an element to this where there's some real serious things that need to be addressed, changed and dealt with that the SPC has not mm-hmm. in the, and it keeps getting brought up and those things are a reality. And then there's this part of it where like some of the tradition, the history, the, uh, the good that's also been there, you can't just throw those things away. Right. right? Like, so, um, but it is interesting. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of bad there that needs to be talked about, corrected, and dealt with. And I think some people are going to need to get in trouble and have consequences and everything else. Um, it's not good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's very similar to, to the thing with the Catholic Church mm-hmm. with the um, um, the molestation stuff. Like, yeah. you need, you're going to have to sort of take it on, on the chin and, and like, you, you have to take your punishment, right? Like you have to take yes. your, you, you have to, you can't just skip to the resurrection. Yep. So we can't just like, um, you know, this summer or next summer just be like, Oh, but let's remember all the good things that SBC said. Yeah. Um, we can say that, but not as a, <laughs> that's not the posture, right? Yeah. Like you kind of got to, there's sort of a crucifixion going on right now and they're going to need to lay in the grave for a while. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways. Uh, cause some of the stuff is, horrific i mean i I think before i really knew a lot and started following some of the women Mm -hmm. on twitter who are being you know very vocal about what happened you know i tend to uh you know when when you hear sexual assault it's all bad but it can mean a a scale of things um Mm -hmm. i mean anything that makes somebody feel unsafe or attacked or you know it's like bad and needs to be dealt with some of the stuff is like what you would see in like a hbo movie like terrible yeah you almost don't think it's real like it's truly like awful um and for those women to go unbelieved and especially you know it's like if you're not believed at a job and you work at a whatever accounting firm that's pretty terrible if you're not believed in your church which is like (laughs) that's yeah awful yeah because what you end up seeing a common theme that's like there are two common elements that are always in these stories Mm -hmm. one is the good old boy patriarchy element to it and the protection of men but the second one is so often the language that's put around this is the protection of the church Mm -hmm. like you don't want the church to you know you want the church to fail what happens if the church crumbles what happens and all those other things and it's like those churches are going to crumble now yeah because they weren't dealt with on the front end and taken seriously. And not only that, they've had all this, the damage that's been done, the reciprocal damage that's been done um, is just, I mean, you can't even like quantify it. It's mm. so big. And, and not only that, just the, um, and listen, even when like saying this, like the, the church is Jesus's idea and the church is going to be the church and the church will always rise mm-hmm. to some level. But, so sometimes people are like, man, look at the how bad the narrative is around Christianity and everything. I'm like, it's true. Like that's a mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very true with with this part. Um, but there's also like so much good going on in Christianity. But there is this like when I when you look 
at all these stories and see those two common themes that are in there and the the lack of response, the lack of ownership, the lack of like um, people getting consequences and in trouble. I mean, there was a story I heard recently from um, someone that um, that was said to me was that they went to a Southern Baptist church and um, there was an allegation against the youth pastor mm-hmm. and they protected the youth pastor and to protect the church. Then they fired like seven other people. Yeah. I've heard. Do of you know what I mean? Like and it's yeah. like, it's, it, it's stuff like that. that it's, um, it's one time is too many. Right. And so, um, but the, sadly, I mean, it's horrific how many stories are coming out. Yeah. Well, um, and I, <clears throat> I think that, like, you know, the Bible is pretty—Paul is certainly clear, but I think the Bible in general is pretty clear that, that like, evil really happens in groups, you know, like, in, in, in systems. Like, powers and principalities are the things that we're, that we're sort of, like, battling against, right? Do you think, like, as, the, as you yourself being the lead pastor of uh, a growing church um, and also being, like, in community with other pastors of other churches, do you think that, like, one of the issues is— there's a point at which a system, whether it's the SBC as a whole or just a big SBC church, the Catholic church, the papacy, you know, whatever, wherever we're at, if you stop asking the question, if you stop waking up in the morning, looking, you know, your organization looking itself in the mirror and saying, are we a principality right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, is that part of the thing that you just, you don't see yourself as a power, so you don't, hmm. not you, but, yeah. you know, churches? Because these kinds of things, it's like, you can read studies about atrocities and war, right? But when you interview the individual people, they're all like, "Oh, yeah, I was just following orders from this dude. Go talk to him. You know, he he was the guy in charge." And then that that guy is like, "Oh, that's not my department. Why don't you, um, go over to the Secretary of State? He'll know what's he'll know why this happened." And it it all gets passed around because the actual issue is like, it, the evil is in the in between. Like it's in the it's yeah. in the system rather than the, and it's almost like you said, the church is Jesus's idea. But his idea was more of a like an ecclesi an ecclesiastical gathering rather than like another power structure. Yeah, I I think there's a little bit of a balance there. I because I do think obviously individuals can do evil things, and mm-hmm. you know it's not just systematic though there are <laughs> clearly systematic elements. And to your point, like even when Paul is talking about spiritual warfare and everything, he's talking about more in systematic things, mm-hmm. in particular like government. And then you go into Revelation when it talks about the beasts coming out of the sea, um, in particular, I think it's Revelation 14, uh, that one of the beasts that they're describing is actually governments, you know, and, and, and empires that don't submit to God, mm-hmm. that they that, that governments that don't submit to God become demonic. Mm-hmm. And so, um, which we'll talk about the demonic today right, a little bit. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, I think there is a systematic element. I think there is, once things get like really, really big, it's it becomes harder and harder mm-hmm. to like... Um, keep those things in check however i also think that a lot of times the problems because again i know guys who are are pastors of big churches that do handle this stuff correctly Mm -hmm. you know and that do these things like in the right way Mm -hmm. um and so i don't necessarily think it has to be a big thing because some of these stories are coming from super small churches yeah totally you know it's not it's like like I've read a few stories here recently that they're coming from like twenty five person churches. Yeah, I know it's easier to like bang on big churches, mm-hmm. um, but like, so it's not necessarily. It doesn't have to be big. Yeah. it can be from smaller components too. Oh, for sure. I mean, we all there's probably this is superficial, but there's definitely the idea in my head of like 
the sort of backwoods church and like the the yeah. kind of um you know just stuff that happens when there's low accountability because it's such a small community that it's yeah. easy to control but there everybody. are some big churches that like in these spc stories there's some right. of them um, a couple of the guys that have been named yeah like they were they had thousands of people going to their churches you know so. well and ultimately um you know i can't remember who said it i think I think Truman was the one who got the credit for it, but it's like all that's necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Right. That's Hitler's just Hitler. He's just like some dude with some, some bad ideas Mm -hmm. until there's thousands of people willing to either turn a blind eye or again, say, we're just trying to keep, you know, we're just trying to keep the country together. We're just, or we're just trying to, you know, X, Y, Z. And that, I think that's where this, time of the convention actually you know the gathering of the convention and sort of what's going on and is where it becomes interesting especially because it's really not as structured as the the catholic church thing it was like (laughs) there were smaller groups of people making the decisions to cover these things up whereas the sbc is a big group of people they can have yeah there's more people involved i there's yeah, it'll be interesting how it all gets because there's some prominent folks that are in leadership that are kind of doubling down on some things, and and so I, yeah, <laughs> that's in the Bible, right? Double down. I know. <laughs> oh man, well that uh, does kind of touch on some of the stuff that we're going to get to today. Um, so uh, if you have questions, quips, comments, quotes, or things you want to talk about from your feed, you can email them to stay curious at hillcity.com. Um, but now we are going to move into our primary conversation after a short break uh, about Mark chapter one and just some of the themes that we are getting in there. Y'all know we stay curious over here. here, here, here okay, here, and we're back. Um, I like that we pretend in podcasting. You pretend that there was a commercial. Um, if anybody would like to send us money and we'll advertise your thing, that's fine too. Um, we can be bought. Yeah, I can. We can be bought. This church will not be bought. This but podcast is a sellable can, entity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> the church percent. is not for sale, but yeah. we are. Yeah, in this I podcast. will. I will speak out against capitalism <laughs> until you pay me not to. Um, so uh, this past couple of weeks, we've started into uh, this series about Mark, and um, we're kind of going, taking it relatively slow. I think yeah. you, you've been, you know, chewing over, you know, groups of verses rather than plowing through mm-hmm. chapters. Um, but today we wanted to kind of touch on some of the stuff from Mark chapter one thematically that, you know, obviously there's just not time to expound on during a 20 minute message. Yeah. Um, so what were some of the things we'll start off with, with you, like what, as you read through Mark chapter one, give us a quick overview of what happens. Cause I don't want people to feel like <laughs> insecure. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know my Bible front yeah. and back. You know, you know I, and let me just say this too. The part of the reason that we're taking such a long time in, in Mark was, um, you know, time and time again, we, we keep, I keep having these conversations with folks that, you know, really don't spend time in the Bible or like right. really just kind of, like the feel of church and the idea of Jesus, but not necessarily know what he taught or what he got involved in. So that's why we're taking a little bit longer on it. But in Mark chapter one, it's, it just opens. Mark is the, the shortest of all the Gospels. The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that detail out the different portraits of the life and teachings of Jesus. And it's the shortest of the Gospels, and it, it's like quick hitters. It was, it, it was in all likelihood, it was the first one that was written out of them. And so the other three actually pull from mark um, in different ways so um but they just expand on certain things that mark did not and mark just i kind of like mark because it's like boom 
it feels like a trailer for the rest of the gospel. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's like quick little jab after jab after jab and occasionally comes in with a longer story. If you have a red letter Bible and you open to Mark, you're like, where is Jesus talking? (laughs) Does he talk? So, um, so what we get introduced to like right off the top in Mark is, um, this introduction of John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin, that's preparing the way for Jesus to come. And, uh, you know, backstory there is um, the relationship. Both the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus have some kind of miracle components Mm -hmm. to them and um, some incredible spiritual components. And so um, John is preparing, John the Baptist is preparing the way for Jesus to come. And essentially what we see right off in the beginning thematically is really centered around uh, Jesus's authority over all and then the kingdom language. Mm. And so those are two big things that we keep talking about. And I've said it several times these first several weeks and we'll continue to do so throughout Mark because um, oftentimes in the church world, it's all about the individual Mm. and personal salvation and your personal salvation, meaning to say, I want to follow Jesus is a thing. Um, but it's a small piece of the pie when you really look at how the gospel writers actually write and what they talk about you. If you really sit down and be like, where do I find the personal salvation piece in the gospels? You're going to be hard pressed to actually find it. Mm -hmm. And so, whereas there's all this kingdom talk and everything that's there and communal living and I don't mean communal living in the sense of y'all have a house together. You don't not mean that. (laughs) I don't not mean that, but like, I also don't. I mean that as like a necessary necessary um but um so that's what we begin to see way more of yeah and it's pretty brief it's like uh john is a guy and then he <laughs> baptizes jesus and then jesus goes out into the uh oh no he announces the good news kingdom and, is near yeah yeah but i do think it's interesting like the first thing that jumped out to me was that <clears throat> he he does go out into the wilderness right it's short yeah so it's like a real short like part of of the actual chapter but it, uh, verse 12 says at once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by satan which is like detailed in the other gospels but it's like oh yeah yeah he just went through satan this. was out there too yeah um he was with the wild animals and the angels attended him yeah i think that's interesting for obviously i'm interested in it now because i'm a kind of i'm going through this phase of like going out into the park and like sitting and mm-hmm. being um, amongst the sort of like nature and I never thought, and you know, in my head, it was always like he went out into a desert the way we think of it. Like, in there's just sand. But he was like, there was trees and animals, and like, yeah, he was in the wilderness. The he wilderness. wasn't necessarily yeah, it's in the desert. Um, and I will say this, like the I, I said this in the sermon, but the wild animals piece is tying into uh, it's in Isaiah. I want to say it's Isaiah 16 mm-hmm. um, that they believe that there would be this harmony that yeah. would happen with creation. And, and so they're, they're tapping into some like thoughts from beforehand mm-hmm. with the wild animals. And then with the angels attending to him, it's, it's referencing the cosmic nature mm-hmm. of this story as well, that it's not just about humanity. Like there's a cosmic element to yeah. this whole Jesus story. And I think that there, obviously this is me doing the like contemplative plug thing, but there's a stillness there that even Jesus had to have before he started his ministry he well, had to go out and no be, doubt yeah be quiet and be still and it wasn't all good satan was <laughs> was out there right like he had to yeah sort through his bad thoughts and his, or his, or his challenging stuff 
um, probably, and he communed with nature and with the an- the animals were involved. You know, he was like there with the animals and yeah. sort of like soaking in the whole vibe of creation to kind of, I imagine, to center himself yeah. for his ministry. Well, and, there's a lot of examples of like Jesus in solitude. Yeah. They'll say like he went away or he went away to pray or he went like there's there's a lot of that. Yeah. And I think sure. that's important because we really we miss out on that. Totally. I mean, especially yep. in a very industrialized consumerist like, you know, culture where, um, you know, quiet time in Bible study is, you know, maybe being on your back porch, but it's a lot of like a taskless thing to do where you get mm-hmm. up and you do your prayer and you have your quiet time, you read through your devotional, but like taking the time to be somewhere in creation and like commune with that, I feel like got a bad rap because of like hippieism and, and like, you yeah. know, vague spiritualism and stuff. But there's a reason that that stuff is important and it ties directly, directly into the gospel. This is not like a, yeah, this is not like a naturalist interpretation or like an eco interpretation of the Bible. Like it's in all the gospels that, that Jesus had to go out and, be still and mm-hmm. and by himself in God's creation before yeah. he could start his ministry. Yeah, we don't know how often he was doing it, mm-hmm. but it was certainly enough to be recognized within scripture to keep saying it. Yeah. And so it was definitely frequently inconsistent. And so I think it's an example of even within this, you know, we live in this world of it's just go 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 all mm-hmm. the time and we're inundated with information and everything. It's like if we're not getting times of solitude and silence, we are worse off. Truly. There's no doubt. Truly. So um, so that was the first thing that stuck out to yeah. me. But I know, so he goes out into the wilderness, has his time, comes back, says, you know, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe uh, mm-hmm. the good news. Did you study, I know oftentimes you and other, you know, preachers will look into what's the Greek, what's the, you know, you look at your sort of Strong's Concordance or whatever. Yeah. Is this uh, Is this repent metanoia? Did you look at that? I think it is, if okay. I'm not mistaken. So that's another quick, important thing to, I always like to drive home to people is, um, again, in our context, repent has sometimes had like a guilt connotation, like repent and, you know, you repent of ye sins, you know. Um, but really, metanoia, the Greek word metanoia is a lot more about chain, turning your mind, changing, not just saying the things that you did wrong or not just feeling guilty about eating meat on Friday or whatever, you know, it's really about um, a deep sort of study of your own heart and of your own like stuff. Maybe it's, you know, it could be as intense as like childhood stuff or it can be just the relationships in your life now. Like repentance is a lot more, I guess, than just saying I did X, Y, Z wrong. I feel real bad about it. Yeah. Like you're, you're correct. Repentance is the the simplest way is this turning around. Like you, you were going one way and you're turning around and going the opposite direction, but there is more to it. There's a spiritual cleansing that happens. Mm -hmm. There's a change in priorities. There's a reimagination of your life. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's like part of repentance. I think we often miss that part because you're right. It does feel like it's more of the daunting, like hardcore, heavy fisted thing, but really what Jesus is saying here is like this. Um, he's like, no, 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 you're going in one way mm-hmm. and I need you to come this way towards me. I need you to reimagine your life of what this looks like. And mm-hmm. then subsequently, as we begin to get into all these other stories after this, it's like that's what Jesus teachings often do is is trying to get us to reimagine mm-hmm. like how we live mm-hmm. and, and see it differently, um, even from a purpose 
Yeah. So then <clears throat> after that, he calls the disciples mm-hmm. and, you know, we get the, I will make you fishers mm-hmm. of people. Um, so what were your thoughts on that? I know you kind of discovered that there was one other reference back in Jeremiah to fishers of people and, and that you kind of wanted to expound on. That yeah. It, the whole calling of the disciples is actually pretty interesting when you, you think about like how it's described that Jesus comes up and just says, come follow me. And they're like, okay. Yeah. You know, and so there's there's a lot to that. There was like a rabbinic element that um, if if a rabbi in town ever came to you and said, come follow me, because that was a familiar thing. Mm. You just dropped everything and you did it because it was such a um, it was such a momentous mm. element. But only the best of the best students ever got that. So all the disciples, none of them were the best of the best. And yeah. so um, so this is pretty significant what's happening to them, even when he says, come follow me. Yeah, I think there's like an ele- if we had to put it into modern, right, it would be like the admissions person at a really prestigious college walking onto a construction site and being like, you're, you're in, yep. you're in, you're, you're in. coming to well, Harvard, come with me. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and so even when you think about it that way, too, you, we always think that like Jesus is saying, you know, say yes to me, like in that way. But right. it's like, no, no, actually come follow what I do, follow what I teach, follow, like model your life after me, yeah. you know? And so it's a big kind of moment. And this Fishers of Men uh, um, is interesting. If you, I, I saw this in one of the commentaries I've been studying, but he references how in Jeremiah 16, the same fishermen or Fishers of Men was referenced um, back then. And um, so a lot of times the prevailing thought about, hey, we're going to go fish for people. And it sounds weird if you're not in, it's not even me saying that is like weird, but the idea of we're going to fish for people is this idea of like, Hey, we want to quote unquote, catch people, bring them into God's kingdom, you know, and because this message is so great, and yeah. all, you know, and is there some truth to that or good in that? Yeah, of course. Like you, you want people to experience the kingdom of God. Um, but there also is a reality. It's very possible that Jesus is actually using that phrasing back because in, in Jeremiah 16, uh, verse 16, which is like, if you read the whole chapter, it's intense. But mm-hmm. um, Jesus, or God is actually saying that, like, he's going to get some people, these fishers of men, mm-hmm. um, to really call others out. And there's more of like a judgment kind of element to this. So to be, if, it's possible that what Jesus is actually saying here is like, part of following me will be um, also like, I use this term a little bit loosely, but like in judgment, meaning like calling out mm-hmm. um, people to repentance, calling out sin, calling out these things that are actually not of the kingdom of God. Yeah, and I think so. Jeremiah sixteen is a lot about idolatry. Mm-hmm. Most of Jeremiah is about idolatry. <laughs> but sixteen is, specifically yeah. is very much about idolatry. And so, again, judgment—that is a loaded word. I understand the way you're using it and why you would use it that way, <clears throat> but it's a loaded word in our our How society yeah. because religion because of a religion right which is jesus did not necessarily come to start a religion um but because of sort of the negative connotation of religion being the judger of like just the fact that we are sitting on land where um christians like came and judged i'm using air quotes on the <laughs> podcast i'm here my fingers judged that you know um again air quotes christians air quotes judged that like the native peoples here were savages and didn't have rights or that women were probably witches so they should be executed you know so the way that we probably societally connotate that word judgment is not the kind of good judgment i think that 
that you're talking about. Correct. But then the idolatry part of it in Jeremiah was interesting to me because if there is a sort of calling out of being a fisher of men, um, it really is about calling out idolatry, which in itself is really like if we kind of, I don't want to say secularize the language, but scientize the language a little bit. It's really saying like you're looking at something fake. I want you to look at something real. Mm -hmm. Like you're following a fake thing, whether that's, again, your false self or your shadow self or whatever, you know, your your false, your ego, right? Um, Or a, a false prophet, a false leader, something that is not going to lead you toward the core reality that is God, that is my father. So Jesus saying, my yeah. father, God, I want to call you away from that and toward. So you are making a judgment of like, hey, this thing you think, whether it's a job or money or whatever, this thing you think is reality is fake. <laughs> it's like not real. It's an idol. It's it's a golden whatever. Yep. And you're using that as a replacement for what is real. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. So like historically throughout scripture, anytime it talks about idolatry, there's always like evil on the other side of mm-hmm. it, right? Like the golden calf story. Right. Like, you know, when Moses comes down and Aaron makes a golden calf at the bottom of the mountain because they didn't know if he was coming back and everyone starts mm-hmm. freaking out. The end of that story is debauchery. Right. Right. Like, so in like wild sexual stuff. Yeah. And, um, and so anytime there's idolatry, that's what follows is like mm-hmm. debauchery, like evil actions. And, and so the way the Bible always talks about it is idolatry is anything that you're going to place above God. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's interesting is we immediately, you know, we'll, people like think, well, I don't have idols that yeah. I'm worshiping. It's like, it's not that. It's like if you place money, mm-hmm. if money shapes your thoughts, at the end of the day, there's going to be evil on the other side of that right. money, right? Um, you can do this. I always tell people like you being, a, we talked about parenting earlier, you being a parent and putting everything you are into your kids and like you have sacrificed your faith or connection to, you know, community because of your parenting your kids and and you're just always out doing that stuff, like, then your kids have become an idol, mm-hmm. right? Like, and so, and then the, there's a there's a bad piece that's on the other end of mm-hmm. that. So there can be very good things that become idolatrous in our in our um, lives. Yeah, and I think, again, in the in the parlance of, like, modern psychology, when we talk about the ego, like, the that idolatry was, was oftentimes, in the Old Testament, certainly where they're talking about it, if you think about a Zeus or, you know, you get into Near Eastern idols, it was always people mistaking themselves for what God must be like, mm-hmm. like mistaking their own fleshly desire, which is always why it always led to debauchery. Right. It's yeah. saying like, well, my my take on the world is the take on the world. And yeah. so this idol, this God reflects that. Um, and so this must be real. But it's like you got it twisted like you're. You should reflect the re- you should seek the real reality like Scott Peck um, he's a great a fantastic um, sort of in a lot of ways like the father of modern like Christian counseling mm-hmm. um, he would say that um, his definition of mental health was a commitment to reality at all costs and seeking like what's real um, and idolatry is very much taking your perception and and claiming that it is real yeah. that is prime reality does that make sense am i getting too no i mean twisted? it does it does make sense and i think too like again like even with idolatry that's why like when we're going through all the political stuff you mm-hmm. know that's what i was always trying to like push people towards and, and folks got mad at me but like i'm like we have to pay attention to what we're elevating here mm. and and a lot of times like you know we see this like so frequently within politics like we're just we're always elevating i'm like i don't we can be 
we can be proud to live in America. I'm not saying you can't have like, you can't be patriotic. Mm-hmm. Like that's okay, you know. Um, but like, but like to elevate these things and to elevate something above God or above what Jesus taught or something. Mm-hmm. That's where the idolatry comes in, and that's where evil comes in. Yeah, and I think a lot of that nationalism thing is again to the interior world, like. You know who isn't particularly patriotic? People who are trampled on. Correct. Like super poor totally. people. People who not partic- people who are patriotic are people who say, or you know, maybe toxically patriotic will say, are people that this this system has treated them well. Yeah. So it's like, well, this has treated me well, so it must be true. Like it's good for me, so it must be true. So like the cross challenges me to say Maybe it's a I camel through the eye of the needle situation. Doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, you can't be rich and go to heaven, but like it's a challenge. The flag is a reflection of how I already feel. It's a loop, right? Uh, so which one am I going to I'm going to choose the, you know, my lazy, my lazy self, my my false self will choose the one that's like I already feel like is good. Yeah. And someone could say like what we have here is the best option for government right sure. and i wouldn't even like necessarily disagree it's in there there are good things right. so it's but again it's important to keep referencing this stuff so even when like that fishers of men thing came out i was like man we this is something we can't escape following jesus mm. that like if we're going to be fishers of men and, I, and honestly that the men is like all fishers men of and women yeah, yeah. you know it would be say fishers of people but like like that is like we cannot forget that part um, of the story of following Jesus um, as like a, a key component to it. Yeah, yeah, and I think going before we move on, going back to the judgment element of it in a good way, it's not the judgment of the person uh, per se, like their personhood or their humanity. Yeah. It's the judgment of saying like, "Hey, I know you don't want to hear this, but like, that's not what you're putting your stock in is not real." It's not going to last. It's not eternal. Yeah. Maybe is a better word. Like, and it's especially not... especially if they're claiming to be Christian. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like uh, you're claiming to be a follower of Jesus, and I want you to know, like, you cannot say that that ties into Jesus. Right. Like that's the that's an idol. That's being a fisherman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. Um, and then <laughs> we go then from that right into the demons. exorcism, <laughs> <laughs> which feels like a whole nother episode. But let's just go for it. Maybe we'll break this into two parts. Yeah. Um, cause I literally can't see the timer <laughs> right now, so I have no idea how long we've been talking. Um, so yeah. And then we get into, uh, he drives out an impure spirit. So, uh, they went to Capernaum, uh, to Capernaum. Mm-hmm. And, and when uh, the Sabbath came, Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach. So people were amazed by what he taught. I'm going to start paraphrasing. People were amazed by what he taught. It was a good sesh, right? People were very into what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody a man runs up to him and uh, says in so many words, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. Jesus replies, be quiet. Um, and then sternly says, come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Ah, this is just such a good, like, yeah, this is so thick. Like we can read a story like that and be like, it's cool. Yeah. But like, it's so thick. Cause like, if you just pause for a second, you realize like, hold on a second. All right, so the demon, um, what they're setting up here, what Mark's doing, and it's like actually pretty brilliant. Mm-hmm. What Mark's like showing is the demon names Jesus as his enemy. Mm-hmm. And so we immediately see right off the top this cosmic spiritual warfare that's happening. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing. And then what's also really cool about this is Jesus tells him to come out. Mm-hmm. He does not summon anything else. He re- And... 
So, so like, meaning yeah. like, I have the power. Like, so right. when it, it when it's like Jesus, it's like Jesus has the power and the authority over evil yeah. in that realm. Yeah. So we're probably going to talk about this kind of stuff frequently through this book. Through this book, yeah. Um, well, it'll come. And probably, I, I feel like there's a theme this year. <laughs> You're probably going to hear about this kind of stuff. I think on this podcast throughout this year, because you and I have been talking about yeah. it a lot, and I think it's important. Yep. Uh, I mean, we both do. Um, so one thing, like, as we start this conversation that I um, – and if this seems like too much of a can of worms, we can stop. But I have started to not – I've started to reject this idea of spiritual warfare. I like – when you say spiritual conflict, yes. Spiritual battle even, yes. Warfare denotes that there there could be – either side could win. <laughs> It's like it's less like warfare and more like wrestling. Like there is a predetermined, uh, you know, that sure. In, even in this, like the the he's not hurting the man. He's not trying to hurt Jesus. He's the 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 unclean spirit is pretty much already like dang the jig is up. Yeah, <laughs> like it's already the minute that we acknowledge that it's happening, it, the jig is kind of up in a lot of ways. Um, but I think that's and that's valid. I'm not saying that's not like. The terminology is, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. There is an element, though, within context of scripture, when you go through like Daniel and some of these other books and they talk about angels, you know, battling, mm-hmm. um, you know, there there is Paul uses battle war warfare language. I think to your point, we know the end of the story. And in, even here with Mark, he's saying like Jesus has ultimate authority. Mm-hmm. So like it, it's a done like he is undefeated in this, you know, but we feel it's like we feel the um, after effects of the war, mm-hmm. you know, or the the battle. If, if it's the spiritual, con- even if we just say there's spiritual conflict, we we still can feel it, mm-hmm. the the effects of that. Yeah. And it feels like we're going through something. Yeah. And I think that that I mean, I say spiritual warfare, too. It's like what we've You're, grown up. I know. That it's, terminology. Totally, so it's right. not I'm not yeah. I don't want to nitpick yeah. about semantics, but I think it is important to start thinking about it differently for me it has been a big thing in my life Mm -hmm. because it removes some like just by saying that it's warfare uh, or just by thinking of it as a battle um like a military battle again you're kind of already i can't remember who originally said it but it's like give the devil his due and not one penny more right like never don't give him more well that's what he wants right like he wants you to believe that all the way from the beginning the snake wanted eve to believe that he knew better or that or that he could convince her that she knew better right like that there's more there than there actually is the king of lies right or you know the the prince is a prince of lies what do they say in the bible is a prince of lies or king of king of lies ruler of all lies right (laughs) um and i think one of those lies is the lie that like it could go either way you know Um, sure you're right and so again this is not for me to be like okay no we're not allowed to use this language anymore but i just i think it's in it's been important for me in my life to like push back on that idea and it's, and it plays out in how Jesus deals with it. Now, given Jesus is always going to be much better at anything than any of us, but he's not like, he doesn't roll his sleeves up and be like, okay, yeah, go get my vestments and my, my, my incense. And like, we're going to get this thing done. It's going to take time. It's going to be hard. He's just like, Hey, nah, (laughs) like he kind of has this like, no man, get out of there. Like stern, but yeah, but very dismissive of the demon. Like, like, Sort of like, uh, uh-uh, no, this isn't. You be quiet, like, and then get out of there. And even when we get into the, um, to the, uh, what's the town with the pigs? I always say it wrong. 
the Gethsemane? No. No. Well, with, no. with the guy oh, with the Garson, Gar- Yeah, G- I Gassian? know. Gessian? Demoniac? <laughs> I can't remember. We'll get there. So when Jesus drives out the demons into the pigs and they run off the the edge of the cliff, that is a little bit more of an intense, like, sort of exorcism scene. Um, But even in that, he's basically just having a conversation. Like, yeah, I know. Uh, And you're also, there's like a thousand of you in there. And like, now get out. (laughs) But I would say this, and I think this is important, though, when we begin to talk about the spiritual realm of Mm -hmm. things, you are correct in that Jesus acts that way. Um, but the way that, like, for instance, when Paul starts writing about it and mm-hmm. Peter writes about it, he, the attack that the spirit realm has on like the church and people mm-hmm. is actually more in like an aggression to stomp out. Mm-hmm. And, and so what we begin to see, for instance, is like Paul in Ephesians six lists out all of these things around the spiritual, like mm-hmm. he would, it's battle language there, but like. Mm-hmm to put on the armor of God. And so there's an element, there are, yes, Jesus kind of is like, get out. But like for us, there are things that what scripture says is like Paul, it's in second Corinthians, either 11 or two. I Mm -hmm. can't remember. Um, that it might even be too alive. Are, are we the worst preachers? <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, pulling scripture out like randomly like this is hard. But like, or sec- remembering where the demoniac lived. <laughs> I know. So, but in Second Corinthians, like he talks about like understanding and knowing the devil's schemes. Yeah, totally. You know, and so in figuring that part out, P- Peter yeah. talks about like the devil's like to be sober minded because the devil roams around right. like a roaring lion seeking to devour. Yeah. You know. So there, there are these passages even within, and I was saying in Ephesians six with, you know, the putting in the armor of God. There, there are realities that you have to be armored up, so to yeah. speak. And even in that, there's like two different. So a roaring lion is a big, scary, powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Schemes, and if you, I can't remember the Greek word uh, or the Aramaic word, but um, it's more of a like. So we have a roaring lion, and then kind of like a prosecuting attorney. Or like a um, somebody like a sleazy used car salesman like trying to trick you into a thing. I'm yeah. not saying it's either or both. It's probably both. Well, it's both. Like because even like so in Genesis chapter four when it t- so so it talks about how this is like more the scheme. The, everything every element that we see within scripture um, that kind of describes the spiritual realm. Mm. Um, and even describe Satan. It's it's really centered around like division and accusation. Hmm. That's how like it, it starts off. Yeah, and he's then, the accuser. It's not what yeah. Satan means. It's yeah. the accuser. Right? And so that's how like things like begin to start off. So even like in Genesis chapter four, like which is the story of Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. it's like Cain's anger, like he has accusations towards Abel, mm-hmm. and there's a division that comes in between mm-hmm. the brothers there. But in 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 chapter four, it says that sin's crouching at Cain's door. Why? Because of his anger. Mm-hmm. And so that anger is what brought on the satanic evil action to murder. Right. You know, so even like when we think, again, some when we people talk about like the demonic or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, it's always this kind of like woo-woo like yeah. ghost-like thing right. but it's actually not always that way like in scripture it describes it in so many different ways it it quite often is centered around anger actually because anger creates so much accusation and division mm-hmm. um saul in um in first samuel 18 um saul when he's trying to always like it said that like, the spirit came upon him mm-hmm. because of his jealousy and anger towards david mm-hmm. and that's what brought on the satanic element 
It's funny. And so what leads to anger? You remember the Yoda quote? <laughs> what fear leads to anger, right? Which is also just true. Like we learned that in the Enneagram. Yeah. We learned that in the Bible. Yeah. And what's the number one most repeated phrase in the Bible? Yeah. Fear not. Fear not. Yeah. And so fear is a big part of it too, like yeah. be, making you afraid. And so that's where I want to kind of tie it back into the idea that um, it's n- like, don't be afraid, like fear not. But it's hard to tell somebody fear not when in their head there's this big, scary boogeyman, like just prowl. Yes. Again, the lion, the lion analogy that Paul uses is important, but if it becomes where you and I, you know, you grew up in a pretty charismatic background, right? And so we're speaking into a cultural context mm-hmm. right now of like most of the people listening to this grew up maybe in the South where it's sure. like more, but grew up in a context of like hearing about this stuff and it was about these movies and that heavy metal and this like Ouija board and and, and that's all got an element to it yeah. for sure. But like yep. if fear is what leads to anger and then anger is what leads to demonic influence in your life in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. well, how are you supposed to not be afraid if you've been taught or convinced that the devil is this big, scary powerful has power to like just you're walking down the street and you say the wrong thing we're talking with your wife yesterday about being afraid of like accidentally agreeing to something like you're walking down the street and then all of a sudden you're tied you know tied up to your bed and your head's spinning around and there's a priest there (laughs) like it's you got to not changing the way that reading a story like this and seeing how jesus is just like nah man (laughs) like no you're you're out you're done don't try to convince these people in this crowd right now that you have any anything to you know whatever yeah um there's there's a part of even the fear piece like that's why i'm like all this language that we see mm -hmm. right now in the division between like political parties or like racial stuff and all like all this language that's so divisive it's all fear-based language Mm -hmm. um i'm like it's it's actually demonic language yeah it's it's really what it is it is it is absolutely demonic and and it leads to the things Mm -hmm. of evil and when we begin to start thinking through um how we perceive it, you are correct in saying that. Like we can't walk around. We we armor up and we're aware of the schemes. And the reason we can do that is because of the power and the authority of Jesus. Mm. And that is our starting point. So we aren't fearful of those things. We don't we don't live in fear. Um we're just aware. Right. You know, and and those are two um things. I, I you know I wrote down a couple other things here in my notes that um when it comes to like kind of spiritual elements that um I think two of these things are going to be probably unpopular when I say them, but no boy, that's um, what we're here for. I know. So like there, and this is what I mean by like, you know, there's a, there's a piece to this conversation around the demonic that it, it, whether it's in jealousy or whether it's in anger um, or bitterness or like, these are things that usher in the demonic. Well, it can also come in like little ways. Like um, I actually think you're going to, push back on this probably but into it um the self-discovery world okay um i think that there's an element that um is good like Mm -hmm. we're in on the enneagram we're in on like those things that um are so positive to help like discover things but if we sit in the woundedness Mm -hmm. if if all we do is sit in a wound or always sit in a trauma or always sit in the triggerness or always sit in those things, it can elicit the wrong responses in us mm. long term. No, right? Yeah, I wouldn't push back on that yeah. because I think that, you know, you you want to know how something is good. The devil loves to misuse it. Correct. Right. So it's like a society. I've used this analogy with you before. Society wouldn't exist if we didn't have 
like axes, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like <laughs> an axe quickly turned into a weapon, yeah. right? Because um, if we didn't chop down trees and build buildings and farm, you know, yeah. that's how you know something's good. So with the self-discovery stuff, I would agree 100%. Yeah. Like you want to know how something's good, it he instantly wants to misuse it. And it's the lies. Right. It's the lies that we end up keep telling ourselves. I remember hearing um, Rick Warren um, who is pastor of Saddleback Church, who actually is stepping down, which is oh, like, interesting. Yeah, after 40 He's years. He's pretty old. Um, but anyway, um, he said something. They they had a, um, a alcohol recovery mm-hmm. um, group there, and they've had like tens of thousands of people go through it. Um, but they don't ever say, the people that go through their alcohol recovery, um, it's just like interesting. They, they don't ever teach that their people have to keep saying that I'm an alcoholic. Hmm. They 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 get them to start saying that's that's who I was. I was an alcoholic. I was an alcoholic. Interesting. Because they don't want to keep telling themselves that they're an alcoholic. So it's yeah. just like an interesting dynamic. Yeah. I'm not. I'm. You know. There's, there's just a. I know a lot of great folks from AA that you know mm-hmm. swear by it. So I'm not even like poo pooing AA. Yeah. It's just like. A, it's an interesting way to start seeing like, what what are we telling ourselves right. in the midst of this? The other thing that I wrote down here, the deconstruction movement that's happening right now. There's a lot of good in it, mm-hmm. and um, but I also think it's a place of spiritual battle right. because um, there's a lot of the deconstruction movement. Um, there's some false prophets in it, right. and there's like a there's a distancing from Jesus in right. the midst of this movement too. That I would say like that leads to like the demonic. And again, like I think the the way that the that this concept that we call the devil works, right? This this power that we or energy, whatever you want to call it. I think so rarely is it. Is it, it, it's, it goes all, it's all back in Genesis. It, he didn't just come along. The snake didn't just come along and just present a totally new idea. He, he negatively built off what was already there. Yes. So it's always like, Hey, it seems like the Enneagrams are going really well for you right now. Like, that's really cool. <laughs> you should just think about yourself all the time. Yeah. Like you should just keep going. Like just navel gaze. Just like, don't worry about your spouse or your kids or your friends or like, yeah. That, and, and you're kind of like, if you're not sober minded and all the things Paul tells us to be, you're kind of like, yeah, I should do that. I should just think about myself all the yeah. time or with the deconstruction thing. Like, look, the building has got to come down and we got to figure something else out. What if the whole city's bad? You just burn the whole city down. Yeah. I, yeah. What if I did just burn? You know, it's like that's yeah. what it is. And mm-hmm. again, I think a lot of us has been have been um, presented with this idea of like you can listen to this CD or that CD and this CD is good and that CD is from the devil. But it's much more likely that the devil is like, oh, that's a good CD. Oh, yeah, it's got some really good ideas. Like what if. Let's, you know, <laughs> what if you did this? Let's keep building off of that in a negative yeah. way. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think, you know, we've joked about social media and how much we hate it. Um, <laughs> Truly. But one of the jokes about social media is like it's the devil's playground. Yeah. Because it is. Totally. You know, it's if you think about social media, it is, it is just full of accusations, jealousy, anger, distraction, and like pleasures. Yeah. And, all, and all those things are what lead to the, the and demonic. It, <laughs> and it all builds off of our need for community, yeah. which is a good thing correct social is a good thing like the idea of being social is a good thing so it's always built off of that i think the other thing that stuck again sticks out to me in the way that jesus reacts to this is um 
when we're talking about, and I guess maybe I'm I'm talking to my more charismatic brothers and sisters now, right? This guy didn't come out of the crowd and be like, it's not a teenager being like, Dad, I want to smoke weed, you know, and then he does an exorcism. It's pretty obvious what's going on here. Like, it ain't, this guy's not depressed or, or bipolar or or any of this stuff. He's like, hey, we are, I mean, he's, the language that the unclean spirit is using in this guy is super clear what's going on. And then Jesus is super clear back now on the other side of that i think that evil you know evil energy evil spirits whatever you want to call it, demon demonic energy is always going to glom on to fun stuff for that you know fun for them like depression anxiety suicidal thoughts social media like whatever they're going to glom onto that stuff but um you know before you go like doing an exorcism on your friend or like <laughs> trying to cast a demon out remember that like in all of the instances of this happening in the um in the gospels in all four gospels it's pretty obvious what's i mean like it's pretty we have reached a point of like hey using we language saying things like like calling telling jesus he is who he i mean like acknowledging that jesus is who he is um and using pretty like out and obvious does that make sense what i'm trying to say i'm not sure like what are you trying to say is obvious I mean, what do you want us with us, Jesus of Nazareth? This guy didn't come up and start like arguing with him about what he spoke about. He's obviously possessed by a demon. <laughs> yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, he's not arguing what Jesus taught. There's an element of th- what we're seeing is the the evil sees Jesus as the enemy. Right. And that's the real issue that's happening here because before jesus they could just do what they wanted to yeah. do and this guy obviously doesn't have another issue it's obvious, yeah. <laughs> it's obvious we don't know that- how, i will say this like in terms of like possession because there are we we do see demonic possession in people um in the bible it's not often it's not like that's normative it's not um what we have um can take away from like certain writings and stuff is like some of that has been invited into someone's life mm-hmm. um and then sometimes we don't fully know how something happened. Like there's, there's, there are some spooky elements yeah. to like some of those things, but that's not a normative thing though either. Right. Jesus is not calling unclean spirits out of the Pharisees when they are also being evil or yes. like being again being anti. Yeah, they're not possessed. Right? Like they, they, there's so yeah. The point is, is like is is demonic possession something that is a reality? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Is it normative? No. Right. Is a demon over every rock you trip over? No. You like so You got there. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I was headed. Yeah. <laughs> There's a good chance this is a two parter. I'm gonna go ahead and say that. Yeah. <laughs> before I edit it. Any other thoughts? Um the one only the one like last little thing that we see that I just think is, you know, Jesus is when you mentioned this, you know, going to a solitary place and everything, um, just one little part of warning I think that's happening there that um, that can slip by us pretty easily. There, the way Jesus responds to the celebrity element mm. is he wants to get away. He And he re-enters when he's ready to handle things in the way that's like the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also setting an example that it's not about popularity. It's not about like um having the biggest crowd it's not about any of those things and i think too often we can get caught up all of us can be like we get enamored with a celebrity or enamored with someone who's got 
a million followers or in we put a lot in that yeah and so um i think it is a warning for leaders but it's also a warning for those that are following someone Mm -hmm. you know to not elevate people to categories they shouldn't be in yeah especially when you're preaching the gospel what if your response to becoming popular was to get off twitter for 40 days (laughs) rather than sign a book deal yeah not the book deals are bad. No, but it's, it's like, just, I'm, sh- I'm sure someone, so whatever the ancient, you know, <laughs> whatever the, uh, the of the time the book deal was, yeah. right? I'm sure the disciples were like, "Hey, your stock's up, Jesus. You should put a book out. <laughs> get that, <laughs> yeah. get that scribe over there to write you something." Exactly. Like yeah. you should, we should buy advertising space. He's like, "No, I'm gonna go be in the wilderness for." 40 and that days. is a reality that we, you know, see a lot of people and within Christian culture. You know, again, writing a book's not a bad thing. Or like, it's yeah, fine. You know, we have a podcast. Yeah. You know, like all this stuff. So. The, the, none of those things are, are bad. It's just like paying attention to like, is it an all-consuming thing that it, your identity starts right. leaning into it? And in the same way, like to to your point, if if we woke up tomorrow for whatever reason and we had ten times the amount of followers overnight, w- you and I would have a very serious discussion. <laughs> like you know, we would sit down and we would yeah. read. Like, we how much f- are we going to charge for a commercial? Exactly. <laughs> What are the sponsorships that we're going to seek after? Is it Sonos? Is it uh, <laughs> what's the Casper mattress? Uh, no, we would have a very serious conversation yeah, about sure. like what is this podcast and what what are we doing? What's the point? Yeah, yeah, what's the point? Should we take a break or should we like cool it off or should, whatever? You know, you got to think about that stuff. Don't just mm-hmm. get caught in the momentum of popularity. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that was maybe two episodes i don't know, I don't know. we'll see <laughs> we'll see yeah. i can't see the clock it could have been 10 hours i wouldn't know um but thanks everyone for tuning in um if again if you have questions quips quotes comments concerns or questions about this specific episode um any future messages in the message series if you're a member of our church or engaged in that content you can email them to stay curious at hillcityrva.com Um, And until next time, oh, remember to rate and review us, not just next time, but right now, um, and share the episode so others can get in on the conversation. And until next time, remember, as always, to stay curious. curious.